You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So without further ado, let's hit the road. Okay, so it's episode 58. And on today's episode, I'm basically going from Malawi to Nairobi in like four days, which is about 1250 miles taking us up to 30,000 miles so yeah I guess I went over 30,000 miles actually <laughs> and this will be the second to last episode in this series be picking up where I left off and that was in Livingstonia Malawi I had hitched a ride with three South African people friends of mine who I'd met in Nakata Bay in Malawi and we kind of took a wrong turn, so we ended up in being in Livingstonia, and I ended up staying there for two days, which is a lovely little place to stay. And on the second day, we went to, I met another two English guys, and we went to these waterfalls nearby, which is really pretty. And then later on that night, we got a couple of roast chickens and a couple of crates of beer, and the most amazing lightning show because <laughs> we were high up on this uh, kind of a small mountain I guess 2,000 meters up at our hostel we were staying it was actually a mission and it was amazing just crazy crazy lightning all like for hours <laughs> it was a you know great mother nature show so it is about April 22nd way back in 1994 <laughs> Well, of course, traveling was a lot different than it is nowadays. You know, no internet, no cell phones, none of that jazz. So after my yeah second day in Livingstonia, the three South African friends of mine, they dropped me off in Chileba, Malawi. And then I had to wait for about two hours for a ride because I was basically hitching all the way back up from Durban back up to Nairobi, pretty much. So two hours was my longest wait so far. That was the new record. There, well, there just wasn't much traffic and whatever traffic there were, no one would stop and pick me up. So finally, the country local bus came and I was like, okay, well, I got to get on this. <laughs> but I got on it and four of my friends who I'd met in Nakata Bay were on the bus. So that was pretty cool. And they were called Paul, Chris, Steve and Barbara Jean. So now there was like five, five of us. <laughs> so we had to stay the night in Karanga, Malawi. And then the next morning, we set out fairly early, you know, at least you can get five people to get going, I guess, and to get to the border, to the Tanzanian border. So we managed to hitch a ride in this like huge flatbed truck that was just full of bricks. So super comfortable because <laughs> we're in the back. <laughs> so we got to the border and I had a bit of a nightmare at this border on my way down. So we get there and... I was like, okay, I need to get my Tanzanian visa because my first one, I, they only lasted 30 days or something, so that it had expired. 
And they're like, oh, well, no, from April 1st to now this is like April 23rd or 24th, we don't issue visas at the border anymore, which I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> but he was like, but, you know, I'll be really nice. And if you give me $50 US, which is actually the cost of the visa, then I'll stamp it from Lesuku in Zambia. <laughs> like, that's where it was from. I was like, okay, whatever, dude. I just need to get through Tanzania. So did that. And then from the border to get to the main road, it was about seven kilometers. And the only transportation were on bicycles. All these boys drove bicycles and you just go in the back <laughs> with your backpack on to go seven kilometers on a bike, which is always was always quite amusing. But anyways, we got there to the turnoff and we managed to hitch a ride in this like diesel truck, the back of the truck. And we were going to go to Mbeya in Tanzania, but then the driver said, well, I'm going to Dar es Salaam. I mean, that's where we were going. So we're like, okay, well, can we just come with you all the way to Dar es Salaam? And he's like, okay, yeah, it'll be about $10 each. And we're like, okay, that's fine. It's a lot cheaper than any other way. But we're in the back of a diesel truck. So just inhaling diesel fumes, not very comfortable, 17 hours. <laughs> And of course, at night, it rained. Of course it did. I mean, there was a tarp in the back, but it had a few holes in it. So we didn't stay too dry. But the worst thing for me is because I would ha- I still had an ear infection, well, both ears, ear infections that I had got in Malawi from swimming in Lake Malawi. And I've been on antibiotics for weeks, but they were a bit better, but still really not great. Now, with the wind, 17 hours in the back of the truck, it just aggravated them again. So I was in quite a bit of pain, which sucks. Ear, ear pain hurt. Like ear and toothaches, I think probably are some of the worst because you can't really do too much. Anyways, Steve had a, a bong. So at least we had a, or his pipe. He had a little pipe. So at least we could <laughs> get high <laughs> to kill some time. So we finally got into Dada Salam about five in the morning knackered like exhausted and then we went to like a cheap hostel by the time we got there it was about eight in the morning and they're like okay well we can't give you a room till noon and we were filthy like so they're like but you can use a shower you can have a shower and use the bathroom and everything so like okay that's great so we got cleaned up and then well we just left our bags there in storage while you know waiting for rooms and then we walked through Dar Salaam and there's quite a posh hotel that we thought it was like all you can eat brunch. So we're like, well, let's treat ourselves because we haven't really eaten <laughs> the day before. So we went to this brunch, like I said, it's a bit fancy. And oh, it was just so much food. It was amazing. So we literally just pegged out and stayed there for a couple hours. And then when the bill came, we're like, what? It was $12 each. Because it wasn't all you can eat. It was pay per item. <laughs> so like, oh my God. Now I know $12 doesn't sound a lot, but listen, we just spent, spent $10 traveling, you know, a thousand miles. So <laughs> puts it in perspective. And we're just like, oh my gosh. And then Steve and Paul, for whatever reason, they were only traveling with credit cards. Now remember, it's back in 94, credit cards in Africa outside of big cities where that's not even I'm like how are you possibly traveling with just with credit cards like you know I had cash and traveler's checks and I did a credit card but you know it was mostly mostly cash that I use with my traveler's checks 
Anyway, so Steve goes, okay, we'll put it on my card. You guys can just give me, it's Tanzanian shillings. Just give me the cash. We're like, okay, that's fine. Two minutes later, the waiter comes back with Steve's credit card broken in half. <laughs> We're like, what the hell did you do to the credit card? He didn't even apologize. He just went, well, do you have another card? We're like, what? We're like, no. Like, I don't know if he, he did have any other cards, but he needed that card. Like, that was his money. So we're not impressed. So we go to speak to the general manager and explain the situation. We're like, this is ridiculous. How did he break a credit card? So anyways, we managed to t- get our all of our breakfasts for free. <laughs> so that worked out okay. <laughs> and he had some tapes. So we basically taped his credit card together. Because remember back then, 94, it was like the credit card machines. Like you had to, it was manual and you got those paper slips. I don't know how old you are, but if you're young enough, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you're old enough, you know what I'm talking about. So I guess that's how he broke it in the machine, right? It was a slide thing, right? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so we got our free breakfast, though, so that was all right. And then we just kind of all went back and crashed because, like, so we were exhausted and didn't really sleep in the truck. And then later that night, Steve, Paul, and I went for, I was like, oh, I got to take you to the Snow Cone. It's a great restaurant. It has the best ice cream. So we went there, just got a, like a light dinner and some ice cream. And then there's a nice bar nearby. Now, I was still an antibiotic, so I was like, I can't, I'm not drinking, guys. And of course, you know, twist my rubber arm. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll have one vodka soda and lime, fresh lime. That's it. Um, About nine double vodka and limes later, <laughs> we're like, okay, it's two in the morning. I guess that's a wrap. Quite drunk paid the bill and then went and crashed now the next day rather hung over and we just ended up walking around Dar es Salaam a bit and got our train tickets we managed to get second class tickets to the train that night at four or that afternoon at 4 p.m to go to Mashi which is where Kilimanjaro is again like I was backtracking right I've been to Mashi been to Rusha been to Dar so that was okay and so the five of us you know got on the train at four o'clock it was fine, except for Paul. I had to actually lend them $20 each, the boys, to get train tickets because they had no money. Traveling on credit cards, not a good idea. Um, <laughs> and then Paul decides to basically spend half of the little money he has on beers on the train, and Steve had no money left. So we're like, okay, great. So we got to Mashi in the morning. And then we met, unfortunately, it was overcast, so I couldn't see Kili for one last time, Kilimanjaro. So that was sad because I climbed Kilimanjaro on my way down. Obviously, I have to just catch all these past episodes if this is your first episode so you can hear about my, my trip down, which took about a year. So yeah, so at this point, I've been on the road for 15 months. Anyway, so yeah, we get to Washington in the morning, and then we managed to get a Matatu to Arusha which takes about an hour or two. And then once we got into Arusha, like they didn't have any idea. They had no money. I'm like, how are you guys going to get to Nairobi? Like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, leave it with me. And I happened to see a white guy, driver, so I kind of figured he's probably a tourist, in this big Range Rover by himself. So I just went up to him, knocked on his door. I was like, hey, how you doing? Start chatting to him. I'm like, oh, where are you off to? He goes, oh, Nairobi. I'm like, Oh my God, would you like be our savior and give us a ride to Nairobi? And at first he thought it was just me because he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get my friends. 
He was like, well, I was like, yeah, there's five of us. But he was fine. So that lucked out. I don't know what those boys would have done without me, to be honest. And I was the baby. They were all older than me, too. So I was 24 at the time. So anyways, yeah, we piled into this uh, Range Rover and I think it's about four or five hours to Nairobi. So got to Nairobi about four or five in the afternoon. And he even took us to like the Iqbal Hotel, which was where I've stayed because I've been in and out of Nairobi several times on my way down. So I knew Nairobi quite well. But anyways, yeah, he dropped us off at the Iqbal, which was great. And it was like coming home, like, because I've spent probably the most time at that hotel in Nairobi anyways. So like I said, I probably spent weeks in Nairobi on, you know, on and off. But the Iqbal seemed to have taken a little bit of a turn for the worse. Apparently they didn't, they hadn't had any running water for two days. So like for the toilets and the showers and stuff. And we're like, okay, great. But it was cheap and cheerful and I knew it very well. So, but they did manage to get us a bucket of hot water so we could wash. Cause again, we're really dirty again from traveling. And yeah, just back in lovely little Nairobi. Now, Nairobi gets a super bad rap. I mean, for good reasons. <laughs> but I love Nairobi, especially the first time I got to Nairobi after traveling for two months in Sudan, Eritrea, and Ethiopia, where there wasn't much food, there wasn't much of anything, to be honest. So when I got to Nairobi, it was just like, like you know the promised land because <laughs> there was like lots of restaurants and hotels and bars and people and it was just you know so that's probably one of the reasons i loved it so much but i was kind of taking the the guys to places i knew and good bars and restaurants and cheap places to eat right so the next day i went to the honey pot which was my favorite breakfast restaurant in nairobi and then i went kind of checking out flight tickets, prices of flight tickets, because I was going from Nairobi to London, England. And me and my friend Claire, who had I'd met in Nairobi actually on my way down, and we ended up traveling together for three months, kind of all around Lake Victoria. And we'd kept in touch, you know, a few phone calls and letters and stuff like that. And she she had, was just finishing up university. So she's like, well, listen, if you want to come to Leeds in England, and we can rent like a two bedroom house or something like that, that, you know, that's cool. Because I'm half English, so even though I'd never been to England, that was my plan after Africa. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to England. So then it worked out great with Claire. So I was, you know, scouting flight tickets and stuff like that. But I, so I wanted to leave May 17th. So now it's about April 27th, something like that. But I needed to speak to her first, obviously. And I found some good deals. So I went to call Claire and some like guy answered who I assumed was her dad. And I was like, oh, okay, can I speak to Claire, please? And he's like, oh, no, she's gone to France for a month. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so I, you know, I left him out saying, okay, well, just tell her that Tamara called and here's the number at the Iqbal Hotel because that's where I met her at the Iqbal Hotel, so she knew the hotel. And if you can get in touch with her, like in France, I don't know, can you get her to call me, please? So I was kind of like bummed out and a bit confused and I'm like, what's going on? Because like I said, I was planning to go in about two and a half weeks. So I didn't know if she was in France, like how long she was in France for or whatever. So that kind of sucked. And then a little bit later, the five of us, as well as two other guys that we met, these Australian guys, so the seven of us, we went out for dinner that night. But just on my way out, I heard the phone ring, like in the Iqbal reception. The receptionist picked it up. I say receptionist. <laughs> Sounds fancy. It's not. It's pretty diving hostile. <laughs> 
but whatever, he picked it up. And I just happened to say, oh, who's who's the phone? Like, who's the phone for? And he said, some Canadian girl. And I was like, okay, that could be me. So I picked it up. I was like, hello? And it was Claire. And I was like, oh, my God, how are you doing? Are, are you, what's, what's happening? Are you in French? She's like, because I was like, I, th- I spoke to your dad. She goes, no, that wasn't my dad. It was our decorator having some renos done in the house or something. And he told me, you're arriving tomorrow night. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, well, he told me you're in France for 30 days. <laughs> She's like, what? Anyways, we got it all sorted out. And I told her, I was like, right, so I'm thinking about coming on May 17th. And that will actually be 16 months since I left Canada to the date. She's like, okay, that's great. That actually works out really well because I can come pick you up at the airport at Heathrow because we're going to stay in London for the long weekend at my friend's because another friend of mine's having a big party for the on the weekend and then we'll go up to Leeds. I'm like, oh my God, sounds perfect. Oh my God, I'm so glad I got to speak to you because I was freaking out, didn't know what was happening. So I said, okay, I've looked at uh, flights, so I'll book it tomorrow. You know, gave her like the time I was getting in and everything like that. So she's like, okay, cool. So that was a huge relief. So I was in a much better mood. Like I said, there's about seven of us. We, were, we went to this restaurant called Carnivores and it's out a little bit. So you have to get a taxi out there because I'd heard loads about this restaurant. Even though I didn't really eat red meat at the time. Well, I, I'd eaten a little bit in Africa because I didn't really have much of a choice <laughs> sometimes. But I hadn't eaten red meat for four years at this point, five years actually. So go to Carnivores and it's this huge, like, I mean, humongous restaurant. And also there's a nightclub across the road, which is part of it, like a bar or nightclub. And it was, I guess, super, super busy. So they're like, okay, well, we can have a table for you in like two and a half hours. <laughs> like I said, because we had to get a taxi out there. We're like, well, we're staying for dinner for sure. So we just kind of sat at the bar and had a few drinks and chatted. And then at Carnivores, the restaurant, honestly, you walk in and there is a humongous fire pit, like I would say 20 feet across, with all these massive metal stakes with big hunks of roast meat on each stake. And they had up to 40 different meats per night. <laughs> so you name it, they had it. And then it was all you can eat. So you sit at, at these big tables and the waiters come around carrying these huge metal steaks with these big hunks of beef and they cut off slices of the meat like you you know they tell you what it is and you say yes or no or how many slices with the machete (laughs) very very unique place so yeah i mean i tried wildebeest and zebra and crocodile which was my favorite actually and they had like, I don't know, five different types of antelope and wild boar. And of course, all the basics, you know, chicken, duck, pig, cow, lamb. But they had all these wild animal meat. You know, I tried like, I just, I'm like, okay, could I just have like literally a mouthful <laughs> of the red meat stuff? But like I said, I liked crocodile was my favorite. It was really good. And it was like the tail. So you just, it's like almost eating like little mini ribs. But it just tasted like salty chicken. Very, very good. And then they had, you know, lots of sides and salads and desserts and all that. So it was all right. It was like 10 bucks all you can eat. So a bargain. I mean, the boys absolutely loved it because they were meat eaters. So they went to town. And then we just went to the disco afterwards, which was hilarious. (laughs) African discos 
are my favorite because just for comedy value, really. <laughs> so it was good fun. I have no idea what time we got home. And then the next day, yeah, just bought my flight. So I was leaving Nairobi at 4.30 in the morning on Air Sudan. <laughs> got into to Khartoum, back to good old Khartoum at 8 in the morning. And then 10 in the morning from Khartoum to London Heathrow. And I got into Heathrow at 4.30 p.m., which, like I said, Claire is picking me up. So all good. Super excited because I think I had about 17 or 18 days uh, left in Africa. That was it. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not staying in Nairobi this whole time. So for my last stay, really, in Africa, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to Lamu, which is this little island off the Kenyan coast just down from the Somalian border, where I had also gone on my way down and spent a couple of weeks there because it's just this beautiful island. It's so chilled out, really cool, pretty cheap. So that was my plan. I'm like, okay, so that's where I will go for, you know, a week and a half or so because it takes a few days to get there each way. That was the plan. So I think I'm going to leave it there for this episode and leave you till my next episode, which will be the last episode of this series, basically Lamu, back to Nairobi and my flight to England. This is series, This is episode number 58. So next one will be episode 59. So I can't believe you guys have been with me for four, 59 episodes. Sorry, 58 episodes so far, I guess. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And the next series will be about my most recent trip. So we're going from my first ever backpacking trip, 93, 94, to my most recent one, which was in 2020. Just before COVID, basically. February of 2020, I did a month in Central America to six countries, which was awesome. So I thought I'd go like first and last to just show you the contrast of how traveling's changed and well, and how I've changed <laughs> what almost 30 years. <laughs> I like what I could do nowadays compared to what I could do then. And now it's time for Tam's Top Tips. So tip number one would be kind of, I guess, hitchhiking in Africa. So like I said, I covered thousands, literally thousands and thousands of miles, hitching mostly on my own. Obviously, this last little bit, I was with other people. And I would just say, like, even now, I'm sure hitching's pretty cool in Africa. And sometimes you do have to pay a little bit for rides. So it's always good to ask. Like a lot of the times I didn't, especially down in Southern Africa, like, so, like South Africa and Lesotho and Swaziland, even Mozambique, I didn't pay for any rides. So it's just kind of the closer up I came north, <laughs> I did have to for a few times. But it still worked out a lot cheaper than public transport and probably a little bit easier, actually. So, yeah, I would say to listen to your gut, especially, you know, especially if you're a solo female. And now, of course, nowadays you have mobile phones and things like that. So <laughs> it's a lot safer. <laughs> But yeah, if you ever have any doubts, then, you know, don't get in the car or truck or whatever. I mean, that's why I used to like tra traveling in the back of trucks, like especially pickups. Because if anything happened, like I could at least, I, I could jump out <laughs> and run. <laughs> but uh, I never really had anything bad happen to me, really. A lot more good, a hell of a lot more good. Like I was given hotel rooms and houses and <laughs> meals bought for me and all sorts. So yeah, it worked out really well with me. So it'd be totally up to you. Public transport isn't, you know, compared to Western prices as well. It's obviously pretty cheap. So totally up to you about hitching. 
and just have your mobile on and maybe with your GPS, like, you know, how the iPhones have find, find the phone or I mean, all phones have that now. I think Samsung has that and everything. So have that and maybe just text or on social media, like say where you are, because I realized when I was traveling, there was like months would go by and I'm like, no one even knows what country I am, let alone where I am. So a little bit more risque. Uh, my mom was like, you made me go completely gray. <laughs> <laughs> trip. I'm like, yep, not surprised. Okay, and tip number two is about Livingstonia in Malawi, which is a nice little place. It was actually uh, founded by, it was named after Livingstone, the mission missionary person. So they're trying to make all the Malawians Presbyterian. Like, I'm not all about religion, like, especially like that. But hey, ho, it's a nice little place. Yeah, you basically see the Chitamba Bay, the visit of the Chitamba Bay, and the Livingstone Mountains in the backdrop. And like I said, if you go to the top, it's about 2,000 meters, and it's just yeah, beautiful views. You know, to hear about Tanzania, then just listen to my past episodes, because I literally, as I just shot through it this time around. And then for Nairobi, again, you know, my other episodes about Nairobi is probably a bit more in there about it in Nairobi for you. For Nairobi, I'll just talk about, like, the backpacking, the cheap place for the backpacking hostels and restaurants and bars. So it's on Latima Road, which is between Moyav and Karenga Road. So that little area. And like I said before, you know, Nairobi has got a bad rap and there was shit that went down. <laughs> For me, it was okay. Uh, so be aware. Totally be aware of your surroundings. I also like this area because it's near a lot of bus stations too, so. And then for solo female travelers, I would say, you know, again for Nairobi especially, like be aware and at nighttime definitely get Ubers or if you get taxis, like take a photo of the license plate and stuff like that just in case. Uh, you should be okay. And if you can travel, especially at nighttime with other travelers that you meet, then maybe do that. Nowadays, it's around between $30 to $50 a day for Kenya on a backpacking budget. Obviously, you can spend a hell of a lot more for safaris and things like that or four or five star hotels, but I'm just kind of the way I travel, budget traveling, 30 to 50 bucks a day for Kenya. Okay, so I think that is a wrap for this episode. Once again, thanks for listening. And you can check out more info on my website, manyroadstravel.com. Also, make sure you subscribe. So, because you never know when an episode is going to come out with me these days. <laughs> I do try for every other Thursday nowadays. So I am a day late with this one. I apologize. So we will see you next time for the last episode of my African adventures. <laughs> okay, until next time, take care. Safe travels one more time.